a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. See? Yeah. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and minister the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy. Maybe. The, maybe. the question before him maybe. should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that shall be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more uh, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> You know how when you kind of get used to something and then that thing isn't there anymore, it just doesn't feel right? Yes. You know, last two weeks we've had our friend at Mission Vision 1962 with us, and, and I heard he wasn't available for yeah. today's show. Oh, yeah, he's on a busy conference speaking tour. You know, you know uh, Mission busy. Vision figured... <laughs> how you know Mission Vision nineteen sixty? Excuse me, at Mission Vision nineteen sixty two, figured out the secret to being a church growth conference speaker, and the secret is he destroyed three churches by trying to missionify them, <laughs> and then and then he wrote a little booklet, and now he's an expert. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's all it takes, folks. You just got to be really, really bad at being a pastor, and you can be a church growth consultant. <laughs> Well, see, good thing he's not here. Those those maintenance <laughs> ministries don't really get the mission vision type person. Look, look at you got to you know, that's right. You have to see the mission vision thing is you got to abs you got to be so abstract that you're never actually dealing with a real person. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh let's crack myself up with this stuff. Let's just... I really this church growth nonsense is really absurd. I okay. agree. Now, I, as we said it, let's just go on to the next thing. What are well, we doing? Today? Let's just go right into buzzwords, shall we? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So Come my on, theological buzzword for you is hmm, uh, apocryphal. <laughs> Thanks to tabletalkradio.org. Such an amazing oh, library of words there uh, at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, apocryphal means it's the Greek uh, hidden away, and these are the books that have been considered by the church as uh, useful. They're helpful, uh, especially for historical value, um, but they're not divinely inspired, um, and so they're hidden away. Um, so this would be kind of like if you want to go pick up a uh, history of Josephus and do some reading, uh, some good stuff, just uh, just not inspired, so apocryphal. Oh, yeah. I was thinking you were going to do the word apocalypse. 
Ooh, that'd be which good. would be would have been better for me because I have a joke about apocalypse, and also that's the theme of today's show. Want to hear my apocalypse joke? Sure. Since your buzzword sounds like the word apocalypse. Apo means from, calypso means veil, so apocalypse means from behind the veil. And so I've always wanted to preach a wedding, hint, hint, and I'd say, you know, when the bride is being unveiled by her father and say, everyone, hold on, we're about to see the apocalypse. <laughs> and that's why you're not... What bride wouldn't love that? And that's why you're the DJ. <laughs> I think the DJ can do that. I was thinking of some DJ jokes to make at your wedding, and, I, and so we're going to have a vote to see if, if, you know, how you mash up Evan and Mandy together. If it's uh, Evandy, which I think is good, or if it's, what would the other one be? Uh, Mandan. <laughs> Mandevan? Anyway, I think we'll have a vote for that. My I... buzzword for you is millennial. Millie means a thousand, like the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I bet you thought I was going to say millipede. Oh, yeah. I went the Star Wars direction for you. And uh, anum means year. So a thousand, millennium means a thousand years. That's the Latin way to say a thousand years. You could say it. Kiliasm is the way to do it in Greek. Kilios apparently means... A thousand in that Greek language. So sometimes you'll hear people talk about chiliasm, sometimes millennialism, and this has to do with how you interpret the text of Revelation, chapter 20, where it talks about Jesus ruling and reigning for a thousand years and us ruling and reigning with him. So, oh, so we have to like there. look for a throne and, and that he's going to be sitting on this chair that we can go see in Jerusalem? I do believe we'll be talking about that. Now, I'd like to point out to our listener that we know what we're going to be talking about this show. <laughs> that is a change. That is. That's new. We're trying it out. We'll, we'll, we'll see if it sticks. <laughs> works. I remember back in the old days, like between shows 30 and 150, that we used to have that idea. This is what we're going to talk about during the show. Now we just use the Trello. Whatever yeah, is on the, the Trello, Trello is what we use. Speaking of the Trello, got an email here for you. Yeah. This is uh, this is from Austin. Hey, Austin. He says, Greetings, Pastors Wolfmuller and Gagline. My name is Austin. Hello, Austin. I'm a pre-SIM student at Concordia University, Chicago. I've been listening to Table Talk for about five months. I was born in the Lutheran tradition. However, I found myself far from being a Lutheran. I was heavily influenced by Kaberly's three ladders that so frequent your airwaves, as well as being influenced by docetism, pietism, antinomianism, and a lot of other isms. I found my way back into the Lutheran Church and for the first time in my life heard and partook of the gospel, oh, how sweet mm. indeed, by means of your show in combination with Dr. Bierman's class on iTunes University, visiting uh, Concordia Theological Seminary Fort Wayne for Christ Academy College, Issues, etc., and Pastor Fisk's video blog, Worldview Everlasting. Coming to Concordia, Chicago has also introduced me to many confessional Lutherans, and I've since become confessional myself. I want to extend my gratitude for all that you have done and continue to do for our Lord and His Church and for His people. Please keep up the good work. Hey. Do you think that he sent this to the wrong radio show? <laughs> Let's see. He continues. Yeah. On a lighter note, given that mediocrity also frequents your airways, I thought I might express my concern for the current state of the lo logo on your... I almost said logo. The, the logos. <laughs> For the logo, that's the Greek way of pronouncing logo. Look at that. I stumbled into something hilarious. 
You're accidentally hilarious a lot. Oh, man. Uh, I can't even help like, myself, Like the apparently. guy that steps on a rake. <laughs> for the current state of your logo on your podcast, for about five months you've been staring at a blank podcast screen. I find it interesting that you charge people money for baby bibs, doggy dishes, and perhaps the most awkward maternity clothing with both of your faces on it which I have to make look a little strange to have both of your faces stretched tightly over baby bump of a pregnant woman. Has that actually happened yet? I'm sure it has. Um, didn't not... didn't one listener fi- have a baby and then find out like two weeks after giving birth that you were offering to buy the maternity shirt <laughs> and was so distraught? <laughs> the only solution is have some more babies. I, I do that... want to assure Austin that that is not the most uh, disturbing or awkward but there were other products um, through the company that offers our things that um, we took <laughs> off of the market. <laughs> it's like a bikini undies. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. Like, it, any, anyone would not want our faces on their underwear. But <laughs> you thought they – so we took it off. I mean, oh, we're, man. We're missing the, the our, funniest – We're missing the, our, our best-selling item in the store because you think it's awkward. Yeah, well, you know, there was that there was that one pair of undies. This fits with the theme of today's show, uh, in times, and it had on the back side of the undies it said "Left Behind." <laughs> <laughs> Austin continues. Yet the podcast, which is free to subscribers, does not have the Table Talk Radio logo on it. Just thought I'd point that out. P.S. I was at Symposium this year. I was looking for one of you, but did not find you. Wondering if either one came to Symposium in his service, Austin. Thanks, Thanks Austin. Email, Austin. Uh, well, first, there's a lot of paradoxes in the Holy Christian faith. Um, <laughs> one of them might be that the podcast, which is free, does not have the logo. You have to pay for such things like that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, we there was a whole big thing on the Facebook about our our logo, and the winner was there was a little contest. It had nothing to. It was unauthorized contest. Neither you nor me, but it had something to do with the idea that our uh, since all the good. Um, what uh, uh, kind of what are those called? Where mascots? All the good mascots were taken: pirates, oh, yeah, and yeah. ninjas, and everything. Our mascot was the sumo wrestler, and there was a great picture of a sumo wrestler, and it said, "I think it said on it something like Table Talk Radio." When you've listened to all the other podcasts, and that was going to be our <laughs> podcast cover. Now it just so happens that neither you nor me are able to figure out how to go onto the iTunes and change the album cover for our show. Well, I have to admit, I've spent as much time trying to figure it out as I has preparing for this show. You're right, me so. too. So <laughs> if we don't, if we can't do it actually while we're sleeping, it probably. <laughs> it but if anyone much. knows how to do that, we can dig around and find our logo of the sumo wrestler, and we can get that on the podcast, so that people will see. <laughs> It'll be so ridiculous. Yeah, excellence well, in Christian what journalism with a big sumo wrestler on it. <laughs> well, I want to thank Austin for writing in to questions at tabletalkradio.org. We hear from our listeners a lot saying that, thank you, I now have heard the gospel. If you'd like to support this effort, you can go to our website, tabletalkradio.org, and click on that Donate button and help us out. We keep bringing this show to your podcast stream. We'll be right back more Table Talk Radio after this.
getting all the bad jokes out before the wedding. This is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, I, everyone dance around like you're a chicken having a heart attack, just like Evan's <laughs> doing right there. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm I'm interested to get another another email. Do we have anything else in the uh, in the yeah, inbox? Yeah, we do. Here we go. Oh man, this is a long one. Is this one we want on the last days? Sure, why not? All right. Uh, dear pastors, I've heard Pastor Wolfmuller say many times on Table Talk Radio that Jesus can return at any moment. That's what we, by the way, Chris, call the imminent of Christ's return, uh, a doctrine we confess in the church. Now, Chris continues, that nothing is left to happen nor any condition left to be fulfilled in order for him to return. The only thing that keeps him is his patience and mercy for our salvation. Having heard you say this, I completely agree. Such is the purpose of God's compassion and mercy, James 5.11. Therefore, I need, my, I need help in my discernment of this passage, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 to 4. Here's the text. Ready? Ready. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Aha, what as about well, that? Yeah, as well down to the rest, down to verse 13, continuing. Do, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and, do, uh, and you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we had always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Okay, so to summarize, you say on our uh, opening from time to time that there's nothing that has to be completed or fulfilled until, before Jesus comes back. He can come back at any moment, you say. But Second Thessalonians 2 says that these things have to take place before the end will come. So which is it? Yeah, well, so I think there there were things that had to happen uh, at the time of the reading of Second Thessalonians. Mm. Uh, so the, there's there's a number of signs that Jesus warns uh, the first generation of the church to look out for. Uh, we understand that those were all fulfilled, uh, really, August 10th in the year 70 at the destruction of Jerusalem. So there were still some um, some prophetic events to occur. In the in the time when Paul wrote Second mm, Thessalonians, which I can't remember the date, but it's got to be what, like right around forty or so. I didn't know it happened on August tenth. Is that right? August tenth. Yeah. Oh, the wow. reason I know that is because that's the day that Sean and Michelle Kilgo got married. Hey, Sean, oh, hope you're listening. Nice. I was going to say that's two days before <laughs> our wedding day. I thought that'd have been nice to do it on two, August tenth. Yeah. Yeah, you should have done that so you could remember. Hey, today's our wedding anniversary and the de- and anniversary of the destruction of Jerusalem. <laughs> like, how do you how, how do you remember your anniversary? Oh, that's easy. It was the day Jerusalem was destroyed, <laughs> August tenth. It also happens that August tenth is also the Sunday that comes probably really close to the tenth Sunday after Trinity every every summer, ah. and that's the Sunday 
Trinity 10 that the ancient church used to read the account of the destruction of Jerusalem from Josephus, which is horrible. Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah. And I mean, it's like, you know, that the the people are are boiling their shoes so Mm -hmm. they have something to eat. And worse, Mm. I mean, children are, I mean, if the baby is born without life, then it's. Yeah, so 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 you get <laughs> you get these dispensations who said who say things like, um, "Oh, they're trying to pass some new gun law. This is the apocalypse." <laughs> say, so let's just read a little bit about uh, what happened in August tenth, seventy A.D., and see how bad that is. There's one story that Josephus tells about how uh, apparently there was a a man who they so when they destroyed the city, there was all the Jewish people from inside who came out, and a Roman soldier saw a Jewish man relieving himself behind the bush or something. And there was, and he had swallowed gold to smuggle it out, and he was he was getting the gold from, and they saw that, and they cut open six thousand men to check their insides for gold right there. Oh, goodness! I mean, whoa, how horrible! Now Jesus talks a lot about this, especially like in the prophecies of Matthew twenty-four and the other Olivet discourse prophecies, where he, he talks about the banner of the Romans coming, and if you when you, when the Christians see that, they're to flee to the hills, which is why. We we know from history that very few uh, Christians were in fact killed in the destruction of Jerusalem because they saw these things happening and knew that they were to be fulfilled and ran for it. Now, more specifically, though, with this text, so so that's the first thing that when the scriptures were written, almost all the scriptures were written except for maybe the book of uh, of um, Revelation and, and maybe. Maybe depending on when we date the uh, Gospel of John, I, did, I don't. I'm not sure. I want to date it after 70 A.D. But the Revelation probably after 70 A.D. After the, all, for all the rest of the scriptures, there were a few things to be fulfilled. The Lord was going to finish off the old covenant by destroying the temple in Jerusalem, and that really brings an end to all this. Now, one of the other things that's brought is that the gospel must go to the ends of the ends of the earth. Has that been fulfilled? Well, yeah. In fact, I should, I'll look this up during the break. There's two texts that will tell us. Uh, that where Paul will say the gospel has, in fact, gone to all people. Uh, now, how that could be uh, geographically and stuff, I'm not sure, but Paul says it. We trust that it's true. Uh, so that's true. And then the other thing that we have here, this text, even though it doesn't say Antichrist, uh, this is really the text about the Antichrist, that Antichrist is coming. And we know that Antichrist is is first an office and then the person that fills the office. And really, it's the office of any false teacher. So John will say, it's interesting to me that the word Antichrist is not used in First or Second Thessalonians. The word Antichrist is not used in the Revelation, uh, although we know that it's talking about that thing. But the word Antichrist is used only, if I remember this right, in First and Second John. And John says that Antichrist is the one who denies that Jesus came in the flesh. In other words, Antichrist is a is an office of teaching, and the specific teaching is a denial of the person and work of Christ. Ah. So anyone who teaches wrongly about the person of Christ, they yes. get the Trinity wrong or the two natures wrong, or the work of Christ, that person is Antichrist. And John says that Antichrist is coming, and indeed many Antichrists have already come. So that might be a way that Second Thessalonians has already been fulfilled, that uh, there is false teaching being preached today, and still is, right? 
That's right. So that's one of the marks. So it seems like that there's something, and I and I, I do not know what this is. So I, this is just, I'm just ignorant, and I don't even know how our Orthodox fathers interpret the text, so I'll have to do some work on it. But this understanding of the restrainer, uh, the the dispensationalists understand this as it's kind of the Holy Spirit, and the way they understand it is that at the time of the tribulation, or at the time of the rapture, the Holy Spirit leaves with the Christians, and it kind of opens the floor for the devil to go crazy on the world, and so the restrainer is the Holy Spirit there. I don't wonder if a more uh, right understanding would would be that the I mean that the, this is the restraining work of the Holy Spirit, but it's it accompanies the work of the apostles. So now, after the work of the apostles is done, then um, the false teaching is able to push further into the church without Paul and Peter and John sitting there beating him back with their writing. Now I, I'm don't know if I'm getting things out of order here, but um, uh, that Revelation 20 text that you spoke of before talks also about what's sometimes called Satan's little season. Yes. Um, are we to think that we are in Satan's little season as we speak now, or is that a future thing that's going to get worse from here? Well, it seems like, so the, the Bible all the time talks about, Jesus is talking about this too, the time right before his coming is a time of intense persecution of the church. Uh, so, And what's very interesting, I think, is that the church has always thought that it is in that time, because the because the persecution that we are undergoing now seems to us much more intense than the persecution that we underwent 20 years ago. And I think that that attitude is in fact right, so that we see the persecution of the Church, the trouble that the Church has in the world, and we see these things and we say, this is an indication to us that the time is short. And that is a I think according to Revelation 20 and the words of Jesus, that is a right way to read the troubles that we have. I mean, if we were to look around and say, oh, this means Jesus isn't going to come back forever, we would be getting it totally wrong, because Jesus wants us to see these things and know that his return is imminent. But, I mean, thanks to—we know that today, I think, because of CNN and Fox News or whatever. You know, because looking around, I mean, I don't know how many people are being burned at the stake in your neighborhood, but that's against policies of my HOA. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I just don't see it. But when you flip on the news and you see— this kind of stuff going on now. I think we're realizing, oh, there is Christian persecution in the world. Yeah, that's right. Well, th- there's this um, text where Jesus prophesies, and, and this is Matthew 24. And I think this is a key. Uh, Jesus says, uh, da, 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 da. "The a nation." I'm um, in Matthew 24:7. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. This is the beginning of sorrows. They'll deliver you to tribulation, kill you. Many false prophets will rise up. And then he says, the end is not yet. I've got to find that text. But I'll... You've got Otherwise, some these are not signs of the year. Well, you've got to find a lot of text during this break. Let's see if you can do it in the time before we get back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And we're going to be right back talking about end times today. So if Christ doesn't return, we'll be right back. Everybody doing the mess around. Ah, everybody was juice. You can bet your soul. They did the boogie boogie with a study roll. Not really one of the best decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Hey, 
And we're back. All right, let's see. Oh, the, the, we should say that the uh, the Lord has tarried long enough for another segment of Table Talk Radio. And I've got tons of Bible passages. All right, so let's, let's see. Okay, so the first one, this uh, the Antichrist passage. I've got John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which you know that the, it is the last the last hour so that that's uh so that's the text that, that, that where John is saying look the antichrist is coming and yet the antichrist has co- antichrists have come and that's fulfilled in all these false teachers see and i think uh we need to understand these two in the, in that proper way see sometimes people think people you hear this all the time well the apostles thought that that jesus was returning in their lifetime Stupid apostles, mm-hmm. um, but rather we can we, we should all live in that in that manner um, because uh, so when the author to the Hebrews says, but now in these last days he is spoken to us by su- by his son, the last days is today the time of Jesus the time of the mm-hmm. church the time that uh, Christ is reigning uh, in his temple through word and sacrament mm-hmm. and uh, we're con- we've been in the last days and for about two thousand years but. Mm-hmm. The Lord, mm-hmm. Lord will, will tarry as long as he chooses. That's right. Now, here's two more texts. So Jesus says the gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. So I want to—I got—the uh, first text is Romans chapter 10, verse 18. Uh, and this is Paul quoting probably Isaiah. Let me see who he's quoting here. Oh, no, look. Quoting Psalms and First Kings. It says, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth— and the words to the ends of the world, so that Paul can already say that the gospel has gone to the end of the world. And that's also true uh, in Colossians chapter 1. I'll read, I'll start at verse 5. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, is bringing forth fruit. See that? Yeah. So the, the exact words that Jesus uses, that the gospel would be preached in all, to all the world, Paul quotes twice and says that that's already fulfilled in his ministry. Isn't so, that fascinating? Yes. So, I mean... Uh, I think the, so. The, the, the word of the Lord, um, if we think about um, you know, where it has gone by the time Paul's writing there, and already he says that's fulfilled. So to think that there's some sort of a... You know, Indian tribe somewhere today that hasn't heard the gospel. Um, Paul's and you know the Lord tells us, look, it's in the it's in the world. It's there. Uh, you know, the, the gospel is around. That's right. Now, um, here here's the I I started reading the Matthew twenty four verse, which says the end is not yet. I started reading right after that phrase, so it's actually Matthew twenty four verse six, where Jesus says, "You will hear of wars, rumors of wars." See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, this, this I think this is really important for us to get our heads around, is that all these things where people see these wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, natural disasters, and they say, ah, the end is here. Jesus says, hey, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, wars, earthquakes, all this sort of stuff. That means the end is not yet. Mm. So we're, we're Jesus wants us to see these things and say, no, nah, it's not the end yet. <laughs> 
that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. In other words, this is normal. How is it going to be between the ascension of Jesus and the second coming? Well, like nation that. will rise against nation, <laughs> right? And uh, nation will persecute the church, and the church will preach the gospel to the nations. But that, that's just that's how it will be from the time that Jesus ascends to the time that he returns, right? Well, I feel, now that we've gone over those passages, I feel like I could win a round or two of Bible B. We are going to play it like this, because, okay, so let's set it up. Since we're doing end-time stuff, the big text that uh, really is the key to understanding the, all the end-time systems of thought that are out there is Revelation 20, which talks about the thousand-year reign of Christ, and, and that thousand years is marked the beginning of it, by the binding of the devil and throwing him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. What is the book of Revelation? Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, you're playing the game already. Oh, uh, I'm just doing the setup. Oh. So, so, so now the two key points to that text are the thousand years and the binding of the devil. If we can understand what the rest of the Scripture says about a thousand years, and if we can understand what the rest of the Scripture says about the binding of the devil— then that text will be completely plain. But remember, especially when uh, interpreting the book of Revelation, we have to understand that Scripture interprets Scripture. So we're going to do two rounds of Bible B. I'm going to read you first passages that have to do with 1,000, and specifically 1,000 years. And then I'm going to read you, uh, uh, If once we finish that, I'm going to read you passages about the binding of the devil. All right. Okay. I'm ready. I'm going to get some points. Are you? All right. Let me find the first text here. Is this a combo with uh, Jeopardy? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take what is, uh, or no, a, a, a thousand years versus for 200. <laughs> Let's go with 100 first. You're you, totally messing you me up. Because you can't keep track. <laughs> well, I got to, yeah, but I got to, so I'm I, looking up these verses. How I, can have, I, you... I have to let you in on a little joke because I happen to know that you don't really write these out. And so last time we played this game, I picked 500 yep. like three times in a row. <laughs> you did? Yes. <laughs> That's obnoxious. That's why you stopped. I'm, like, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm, I'm busy <laughs> looking for the next clue, and you're messing with me? All right. Yeah. My, I'm that, glad that you was, were... That was a show my mom was in studio, and we were I, we were laughing so hard <laughs> off mic. We are like, 500 again. <laughs> oh, brother. Is that, did you win? I'm sure I did. Uh, here's the verse. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats from out of your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Okay, um, this sounds Old Testament-y. I see what you're doing here, though. The word, the word, or the yeah, word thousand there is maybe not a accounting, a enumeration of hills there, but probably a lot or all of those hills. Um, and I think that this is probably in a book like the Book of Job. So, what is the Book of Job? <laughs> You were close. This is the book of Psalms. In fact, this is the beautiful Psalm 50 uh, that I was reading from. Psalm 50, verse 10. And then this is the, ne the next verse. Verse 12 is one of my favorites. If I were hungry, this is the Lord talking. Ah, yes. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. 
for the world is mine in all its fullness. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. And then, the, and then this one of the chief promises in the Bible on prayer is down here. A couple of verses, Psalm, uh, Psalm fifty, verse fifteen: "Call upon me in the day of trouble; I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me." So God isn't in need of us; we are in need of God. That's right. Now, what do you make of this? Um, the business of a, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to the Lord. Um, I think I just said. Uh, so it's probably not, again, enumeration of how many hills there are and where uh, David is standing there. Um, I'm assuming this is a Psalm of David. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, but uh, saying No, that... it's Asaph, Psalm of Asaph. Oh, okay. Well, that changes it then. Um, <laughs> he, I don't know. So, so how would you? Uh, well, he, he, here's the point. Uh, here's the point. Is that what about the cattle on the one thousand and first hill? Does that belong to the Lord? Well, yes. So, when the Lord says the ca- the cattle on a thousand hills belong to me, He means the cows on all the hills belong to me. Every single hill belongs to me and the cows that are on it which is why if I'm not I'm from hungry I'm not going to ask you for it so that the lord takes up when he wants to describe the fullness of the hills he says a thousand hills ah. I'll give you another clue where a thousand is used similarly you shall not bow down to them or serve them talking about the idols for I the lord your god am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the children to, of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Um, I'll take a uh, thousand for two hundred, please. Okay, there's your clue. <laughs> um, this uh, I think comes up a couple times in the scriptures. Um, I think it comes up in um, Exodus and again in Deuteronomy, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm going to go with the easy one. So. Uh, here the Lord is giving the uh, the the Ten Commandments and then um, offers this. So what is the book of Exodus? Right, Exodus chapter 20. This is the cl- conclusion of the commandments. The same words are in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So, I mean, you got it wrong. <laughs> Convenient how that, how that goes. Yeah, that's right. I should get uh, t- twice as many points because I said as both in... Um, Deuteronomy as well as Exodus. Now you see how this goes. The God, the Lord's wrath is for the third and fourth generation of those who hate Him, but it's for a thousand, for thousands of those who love Me and keep My commandments. Now, what about the one thousand and first generation? It's, oh, Do they out. not get the Lord's mercy? They are out. So this is the point. Okay. Now the word one thousand or the phrase one thousand years occurs three times in the Bible, or rather, I should say, three places in the Bible. Uh, I will read you the first one uh, after you tell me what you would like for your clue. Um, 300. Okay. You Is that it? Is that the end of the segment? Yeah. All right, I'll read the verse. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. Ah, uh, very good. Uh, I'm going to Google this during the break so I can get more points. This is for 300 points. Um, when we get back from this break, we're going to finish up this category of Table Talk Jeopardy, Bible B edition of uh, 1,000, and get into the topic of uh, the devil. The devil. We're right back.
thousand years in your sight is like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. That's your clue. Ah, now I see. I, I think I know this one because this is a end times text. Um, yeah. uh, see, this this is the, the you know how this verse is oftentimes used um, for those who want to hold the Bible in their hand and believe in evolution. So they'll say, well, yeah, sure, God created everything in six days, but don't you know a thousand days is like, or a thousand years is like a day, etc. Um, so I think that this comes from the book of First Peter. What is First Peter? This, in fact, come, now, it's kind of not fair because Peter will quote this verse <laughs> and that just it could that just might come up uh, in the next clue maybe but in this particular instance you are looking for what is Psalm 90 the Psalm of Moses a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day which reminds me of one of my favorite Bible jokes I've never told you this, this one before oh, there was a guy and he was praying and he was talking to the Lord don't you know this and he says uh, Lord, is it true that for you a second is like a thousand years? And the Lord says, yeah, that's true. And he says, and Lord, is it true that for you a penny is like a, a million dollars is like a penny? Oops, I got the first one reversed, but you get the idea. And the Lord says, yeah, that's true. So the guy says, Lord, could I have a penny? And the Lord says, in a second. <laughs> Those are the kind of jokes you can expect at the wedding reception. <laughs> oh, yeah. Psalm 90, the Psalm of Moses. I think this is my own little pet theory that Moses is reflecting on the fact that no person ever lived to be a thousand years. Methuselah, the oldest man ever, 968, 969 years old, got close to a thousand. I mean, you got to think that when you hit your 950th birthday, People start asking you. Yeah. You think you'll make a thousand? Yeah, we have milestones like 20, 30, 40. They were like, all right, I'm at 900, just 100 more to sell a thousand. Well, that's it. You know, you think you'll make a thousand? No one ever made a thousand. And he looked pretty good. It seems like the Lord kind of ends his life early so that he wouldn't die in the flood. Well, who knows if Enoch. He dies two years before the flood. Yeah. Such. Who knows if Enoch, you know, could have lived that long? Yeah. I mean, he never did die. He never did. So the thousand years. So Moses is meditating on the fact that no man ever lived to a thousand years, and he says, "For the Lord, a thousand years is like a day." In other words, that which is unachievable for us is just a blink for the Lord. Bam. So this especially fits with the theme of Psalm ninety, which is man's mortality. We read Psalm ninety when we close the lid of the caskets here at the funeral uh, funerals at Hope. So that's what's going on now. Your next clue, what do you want? A thousand years for 400? I'll read it for you. Well, we have uh, seven minutes left. So, We've uh, got to go fast. But go we're, fast. This is going to make a point. All right, 500. But, beloved, do not forget that... Okay, 500. But, beloved, do not forget that this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is First Peter? I'm sorry. You were looking for Second Peter. Chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10. Now, let's you make the simple deceiver. point. Is that the... Is that the 
Peter takes up the 1,000 years of the Lord's patience, quoted in Psalm 90, to describe the time between the, uh, between the ascension of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. Now, when, Paul, when John then talks about the thousand years, if you're, if you're familiar with the Scripture text, you would think, well, first, a thousand years is not a literal time. It means the fullness of time, and the time that it's talking about is the time of patience before the Lord's coming. That means that when we turn to Revelation 20, we have to say, well, when does this thousand years start? And the thing that marks the thousand years starting is the binding of the devil. Now, we only oh. have one more question, which is, where does the Bible talk about the binding of the devil? You ready? Yes. Here is your first clue. How can, Jesus says, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Now, I'm going to guess that this is in one of the Gospels. Okay. Because, <laughs> as you said, Jesus is speaking. Yeah. Um, I think this is in either Matthew or Mark, uh, maybe Luke. But it could also be in John. So <laughs> <laughs> good way to narrow that down. <laughs> what is Matthew? Right. Matthew twelve twenty nine. Now there's parallels for those of you taking notes at home. Mark three twenty nine, which is most important. Mark starts his gospel with this. And Luke eleven, twenty one and twenty two. Jesus is talking about casting out demons. And he says to, to remove the demons, to, to overcome the devil's kingdom, he has to first bind the strong man. The very same language used in Revelation 20, Jesus talks about how he's binding the devil. Next verse, ready? Ready. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did I tell you, by the way, what I was um, preaching on in Lenten services? No. Oh, yeah, we just had to do First John this year. Oh, yeah? And that was fun. I hmm. wonder why that came up. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm going to guess what is First John. You're right. First <laughs> John, chapter 3, verse 8. The, the, now, these words, for the dispensationalist needs to hear these words really clearly. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. If Jesus did not, in his death and resurrection, destroy the works of the devil, then he did not accomplish his purpose. So if we say that the devil is still loose, that he is still unchecked, then we're saying that Jesus didn't do his, worse, his work that he came to do. Ah. Here's the next one. Ready? So, th so the dispensationalists would have to find the binding of the devil in some place other than the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. It's some future event that it happens after the seven-year tribulation. That's a the devil that's remains a unbound. That's the only way. That, see, the, the the millennium begins with the binding of the devil, and if the devil remains unbound, which most which all dispensationalists say he is unbound, then. Um, then they're denying the promise, the very work that the Lord did. So that's a tough theology to hold, and that is to say that the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus did nothing to bind the devil. Would you want to believe Especially that? when you have so many Bible verses that talk about the opposite. So I'll oh, give you some yeah. more. <laughs> you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcised of, uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. This sounds familiar. It's either Romans, 1 Corinthians, or Galatians. 
Um, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> this is Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Or Colossians. <laughs> This is one of the Pauline now, epistles. D- d- did you get that? That Jesus yeah. made a made a uh, uh, a spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them, triumphing over them, the devil and demons, in the cross. I got more. Jesus says this: Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. This he said, signifying what death he would die. What is John? That's right. John chapter 12, verse 28 to 33. Jesus says that in his death, the devil is judged. Now, here's the most important one of all. Ready? Ready. For as much as children partake of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also himself, likewise partook of the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. 1 Corinthians. This is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Perhaps one of the—this is a key verse to know. So I want to read it again. Through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. So that this verse tells us that the death of Jesus is the destruction—destroy— that it is the death of Jesus is the destruction of the devil. All right, all right. Now, now, now you, you have to yeah. tell us— if the devil is destroyed, does that mean we ha- we need not worry about the devil? I mean, the the nope. Paul says in in Ephesians, stand firm against the devil. So yeah, yeah, still we can what? we can resist the devil, and but when we when we resist the devil, he in fact flees from us, which is something unique to the Christian life. Mm. But here's the point: we do not see the devil being destroyed, and this is verse this is Hebrews chapter two verse eight. You have pos- have put all things in subjection under his feet. That's quoting Psalm one hundred ten. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. So the devil is is put under the feet of Jesus, but we do not yet see it. We know it only by faith in the Scriptures. So you can say, hey, look around. It looks like the devil's loose. Well, fine, it looks like it, but that is not true. That's one of the devil's lies that he still rules and reigns. Ah. We know from the Scripture that he is, in fact, bound which is why, and that he can no longer accuse us before the throne of God in heaven. Which is why Luther can come along in his hymn and say, "One little word can fell him." It's just the word of Christ and His promises. That's right. That's ah, right. Beautiful. So, and, that, and this freedom that we get. So the the same. So, so the picture from Hebrews two. It goes on to seconds, say yeah. that Jesus sets those who were afraid of death free. So we who were bound are set free, and that Jesus uses the same ropes to bind up the devil. Where the points are like dispensational theology. That is right. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the cabalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. 